0: Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Luke, and chapter 21, verses 20 through 28 this morning. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance, to fulfill all that is written. Alas for women who are pregnant, and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth, and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword, and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we have come once again to your word, revealed to us here in the Gospel of Luke, It is a word that will cause many to be anxious. But Father, I pray for everyone here that it would be a word of hope. And I pray, Lord, that uh, once again, as we focus on your word, that you would do your work in our hearts, your spirit would come and help us to understand and respond to you. With faith. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, hearing Jesus' words from Luke 21 this morning sounds a little like some of the news reports from the war in Ukraine, but maybe more so like one of the many modern disaster, end of the world type movies that Hollywood loves to put out. In both paragraphs here, Jesus uses the same word to describe both the devastation that would come upon Jerusalem about 40 years after his crucifixion, and also what would come upon the whole world just prior to his return. That word is distress. Look there in verse 23, the second half of verse 23, where Jesus says, for there will be Great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. Jesus is is referring here to just the the land of Judea, translated earth here. But the land of Judea, that's the the, the promised land. Jesus has been warning his disciples uh, and those who, who heard him teach in the temple that God's judgment was going to fall on the land, the land that God had given his people. And then in the very next paragraph, Jesus is clearly referring to a different event and still a future event for us. He points forward to his second coming the coming of the Son of Man, which of course was the title that he always used to refer to himself. He, he, he warns again that, 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 that in that time, there will also be distress of nations and people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. So the Lord is connecting the two events. He's, he's relating them with each other. He is saying the first Will be like the last. The first will be awful for the people of the land of Judea, but it won't be the end. The next event will be terrible for the people of the whole world. Both are very distressful events. Jesus is saying one is like the other. Both of them are spoken of here by the Lord Jesus long before they take place for one purpose so that those who hear his words can prepare themselves. And as we'll see from history, Jesus proved that his words can be trusted since Jerusalem was overthrown exactly as Jesus said it would be. It was overthrown by the Romans just 40 years later. So, So since he was right about that, we can trust what he says here about what will happen upon the earth when he returns. So as we, as we take some, some, some time this morning to focus on these words, let us be reminded God wants us to know. And he wants us to be prepared. So that's our main theme. Prepare yourselves for the coming of the Lord by heeding his words. Jesus was teaching in the temple during the week of Passover. He was just days away from His crucifixion, the religious authorities in Jerusalem, the Sanhedrin, were devising a way to have him arrested and condemned while he was teaching to the crowds of people who had come to worship in the temple that week. He had had just made a curious statement regarding the temple that the time was coming when uh, the great impressive structure uh, of the temple would be violently destroyed. And so his disciples then asked him, there in verse 7 of Luke 21, when will these things be and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? So now Jesus answers their question more directly in our passage. And he provides words of instruction that those who believe his words can can pass on to their children and grandchildren so they could be prepared for it. So these are very important words for them and they are for us too for it, it, it leads him to point ahead to another distressful time when he will bring this world system to an end and usher in the kingdom of God on the earth at his coming so we will be wise to heed his words this morning So in his words uh, that we'll focus on, again, verses 20 through 28, we'll see that those who heeded Jesus' words of warning were saved, and those unprepared will dread the Lord's return. And then finally, those prepared ought not to fear, but rejoice in his coming. So first of all, verses 20 through 24, those who heeded Jesus' words of warning were saved. Look at verse 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. So here is the sign that they were asking for. Jesus is alerting them. When you see this, then know it's coming. Know it's near. Uh, The gigantic stones of the temple are about to be thrown down. Jesus calls it the, the desolation. The, the, the temple mount will be left empty and barren after the Romans attack, destroy, and burn the temple and Jerusalem. So Jesus says, when you see the armies begin to surround Jerusalem, it's time to act. It's time to flee. It's time to get out of Dodge. Then verse 21, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let those who are inside the city depart and let not those who are out in the country enter it. In the past uh, few weeks, we have heard about terrible storms that have produced tornadoes uh, just to the east of us in Iowa and Illinois and uh, in several southeastern states. This past week, in Texas and New Orleans, Louisiana, Uh, did you know that just in the month of March, there have been a total of 102 tornadoes in our country? With each of those tornadoes, that, of course, brought desolation upon the homes and cities and and, and properties that they hit. There would have been warning signs. There would have been signs warning the people of their presence. There would have been weather forecasts alerting people of the potential for the storms. The skies would have grown very dark and foreboding. And once a tornado was detected, there would have been a warning that went off, uh, alerting everyone who has a smartphone about the coming danger, telling them to, to, to take shelter immediately. There would have been sirens going off in communities that had such warning systems in place. Radio and TV stations would have broken in with alerts and weather reports telling people to seek shelter. And thankfully, many people heard those warnings, they saw those signs and they acted on them. They sought out shelter and many were saved because they did. They heeded the warnings. Jesus is is, is telling us here that there will be signs to look for prior to this destruction of the city of Jerusalem that they must heed. They, They must flee to the mountains, he says. If if they are within the city, they had better escape and leave the city immediately. And if they're in the country, you know, if you're in the country, you might be it might be tempting, you know, to, to seek out the safety of the city inside its walls, inside its fortifications. But Jesus warns: no, 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 for that will be where the devastation will take place. Instead, get out, get to the mountains get away from Judea. He didn't make sure to mention why this terrible destruction was coming. He says it would, do, it would be due to the vengeance of God in order to fulfill all that is written. Jerusalem's destruction would ultimately come because of their unbelief and their rejection of God. For he had mercifully sent his son to them. He had had sent the promised Messiah to them, the long-hoped-for son of David, and they, overall, had rejected him. They called him the devil. They treated God's beloved son as an enemy, which was just the culmination of generations of unbelief as these people put to death or treated shamefully all the prophets that God had sent to them to call them to repentance. They had ignored his word, they had ignored his warnings, and they had misled the people that they were responsible for to teach and had taken advantage of their positions of influence and had gotten wealthy off of oppressing the poor And now God would take vengeance upon them. Justice would be done. He would fulfill his word. Jesus said here in verse 23, there will be great distress upon the earth. Again, that's the land. And wrath against this people. That is, God's wrath was coming. God's judgment was falling on his people. His people who refused to listen to his son, and who had led their children and others astray. Yet we are shown that Jesus was taking no pleasure in this. He's taking no pleasure in the destruction that would fall upon Jerusalem. For here in verse 23, we see his mercy and his compassion toward those who would be the most vulnerable during those days of trouble. Pregnant women and those still nursing their young. Jesus Jesus knew of the great trouble this would cause for them. And it is incredibly difficult to escape your home at any time, but especially so when you have a baby in its first year or if you are well along in a pregnancy. We have heard of the plight of young mothers in Ukraine trying to get their children out of the country safely. And I was moved by a picture of about. 20 baby strollers that families had left at a train station in Poland so that mothers who were traveling on the train from Ukraine would have something to use to help transport their babies once they arrived as refugees in the country. The families who did that for them were moved with compassion as Jesus was here lamenting how difficult these days would be for young mothers and for others who were vulnerable. We know from historians that things went down just as Jesus said they would for Jerusalem. Between the years of 66 and 70 A.D., um, there was a Jewish revolt against Rome in the year 66 that was quashed by the Roman general Vespasian. And Rome then occupied many parts of Palestine following that revolt. But it wouldn't be until uh, AD 69 and 70 that they would uh, besiege Jerusalem and finally destroy the city and its temple. So there were uh, at least two to three years where people could make a move. Historians tell us many Jews could see the writing on the wall after the Roman occupation in AD 66 and re- relocated away from Judea. Uh, The church historian Eusebius, writing in the fourth century, reported that Christians in Jerusalem, in response to a divine revelation, as well as from Jesus' words here in the Gospels, that they escaped Jerusalem in those years and, and went to live in Pella, Pella a city that was east of Jerusalem and it was about 17 miles south of the Sea of Galilee. They were relatively safe there as Pella was left alone by the Romans uh, in this invasion. Uh, Back home in in my state of uh, Iowa, uh, many Christian Dutch immigrants who who immigrated uh, settled in southeastern Iowa. They named their community Pella after this city um, where the believers in Jerusalem settled after leaving their homes and started their lives in in a new city. So those believers and and the Jews who heard and heeded Jesus' words were spared in those days of the desolation of Jerusalem, but but many others, many others who either ignored Jesus' words or never heard them and remained in Jerusalem weren't spared. Josephus, the Jewish historian, reports that over a million Jews were killed by the Romans, and almost 100,000 of them were captured as slaves. Some believe Josephus inflated those numbers just a bit, but, but the reality is many, many suffered as a result of refusing to receive and pay attention to the words of God's Son here. The question, of course, for each of us is, as we consider this, this next paragraph, will we take his words seriously? Will we listen and heed the words of Jesus. So secondly, those unprepared will dread the Lord's return. This is verses 25 through 27. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars on the earth, distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud of power and great glory. So there's a, a transition here at verse 25, following Jesus' statement there at the end of verse 24, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now in verse 25, he begins pointing even further ahead towards what will take place after this age, where the gospel will go out to the nations, to the Gentiles, the Gentiles will be brought into the kingdom. Uh, we, we are still, of course, in that time today. And when these times of the Gentiles are fulfilled, these signs will be seen in the sun and moon and stars and great distress will come upon the earth. There will be terribly destructive, seemingly natural events in the heavens and in the seas and, and people will, will collapse in fear and dread for the judgment that will come upon the earth just prior to the Son of Man's coming in power and great glory. And this reference here to the Son of Man coming in a cloud of power and great glory uh, in verse 27 uh, comes out of the vision given to the prophet Daniel uh, back in Daniel chapter 7. If you'd like to, to take a look at that, we're just going to uh, read through those, those two verses. Daniel 7 verses 13 and 14 where we read, So this is a similar description as the one that the Lord gave David regarding his descendant who would be given an everlasting kingdom that is one uh, that would never be overthrown, never destroyed. And so the Son of Man is a term for the Messiah, the Christ, who is the Lord Jesus. When he comes for the second time, it will be a far different experience than his first coming. At his first coming it went almost completely unnoticed with but a few exceptions, a few shepherds and a few magi from the east. He came then as a helpless infant under the care of a poor man and woman from Nazareth, born in a stable and laid in a feeding trough. But when he comes a second time, It will be seen by all. It will be announced with blaring trumpets. It will be like lightning which which lights up the entire sky. It will be with power and great glory. And this will strike fear into the hearts of everyone who will be unprepared for his return. Everyone who who never took his word seriously. Everyone who, who despised him and rejected him. Everyone who turned away from him in this life. In the past few years with the COVID pandemic, with the riots in the cities of our nation, and now with the war in Ukraine, there is undeniably a real sense of fear in the hearts of people. People throughout the world are feeling distressed. Our, our world leaders met in Europe This past week, to do what they could to try to assure us that that they have a plan, that the decisions that they made will have a positive effect on the future of the conflict with Russia. But does anyone really think that what they talked about will solve this crisis? There is a sense of foreboding in our world, but what is behind all that distress? What is behind all that anxiety? Psychological uh, experts will tell you. Well, it's because of of the uncertainty of our times. The future of our nation has definitely been uncertain the past few years. And now with the potential of a world war between Russia and China, maybe even North Korea and the Western nations being a real possibility, things seem far more uncertain than they were before. But are they? Are they really uncertain? Is is there a way that we can be certain of what's to come? That we can be certain that we will be all right in the end. In Romans chapter 1, we are told that the primary problem that we all have is that we know there is a God who created us, a God who, who knows all our ways, all our sins. And that this God will hold us accountable for all our deeds, for what we did with the life that he gave us to live. And one day, we will face him in judgment. And that is actually what terrifies us. That is actually what's causing the the fear, the the foreboding. That's what's behind it all. That is why there will be distress and people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world just prior to the Lord's return. we'll, We'll know we'll have to face him. But what the world has done and continues to do is suppress that truth in unrighteousness. They refuse to acknowledge the truth of God's existence and our responsibility towards him and to his commands. And instead of repenting and humbling ourselves before God now and seeking his forgiveness, so many just double down and continue to justify their sin, trying to convince themselves and others that they are really good people. They're good people. They do good things. And therefore, they aren't in any danger of facing a holy, righteous God who knows the thoughts of their heart, or they just deceive themselves and others by saying, oh, God, God doesn't really like that. You Christians, with your judgment talk, He's not really like that. He really won't hold anyone accountable in those ways. He actually approves of the things that you Christians call sinful and wicked. But time will tell. Time will tell. When the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled, when these signs begin to happen in the skies, in the seas, and on the earth, when when they see him for the first time coming in a cloud with power and great glory, they will show by the great terror and dread that falls over them that they were banking on lies. They will show that they were disastrously unprepared. So let that not be you. Let that not be you, my friends. And finally, those prepared ought not to fear, but rejoice in the Lord's return. Look again at verse 27. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud of power and great glory, Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Let's remember who Jesus is speaking to here. He is addressing this teaching primarily to his disciples, those who have left everything to follow him, those who have put their faith in him as the Christ, as the Savior King. And we are to notice the contrast here between how those in the world will respond to the signs of his return, and how the disciples are to respond to those days. That is the focus of this paragraph here. It's it's, it's on these two different responses of the people upon the coming of the Son of Man. One is described as, as distress, as perplexity, as people fainting, which is a word that describes people just collapsing, lifeless, to the ground, Jesus says that this fainting will be caused by fear and foreboding as to what is coming on the world. For those who are not disciples, for those who are uncertain about their future, about what is to come, they will be overcome with terror at the coming of the Lord. But compare that with how Jesus encouraged his disciples to respond when the Son of Man comes with power and great glory. There in verse 28 again. When these things begin to take place, straighten up. Raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Believers will not be distressed at the Lord's return, but rather will be relieved. Finally, finally, our time has come. Finally, what we've been waiting for and longing for, the day will finally be here. Believers will not cower in fear, but will rather stand up, he says. Stand up, raise our heads to welcome our king, to welcome our conqueror, our savior, to finally see him the fulfillment of all of our promises that we've been hoping in. A newer song that we've been singing here recently captures our response with these words. He shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night. And I will rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Oh, praise the name. Of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. For endless days will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God. This will be the moment that all true disciples long for to see the Lord Jesus, to experience the consummation of our redemption. On the cross, the Lord laid down his life to take our guilt to take our condemnation for our sin upon himself. He gave up his life there for us on the cross. And then on the third day, rose again from the dead. He accomplished our redemption from slavery to sin, our redemption from the punishment for our sins there on that cross, so so that, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who have faith in Christ Jesus. Every believer who has realized their need for forgiveness and redemption, and who has looked to Christ and recognized him as our Savior, has been redeemed by his shed blood and is justified now before God. But but when he comes, when he comes, we will finally experience the fullness of our redemption. When we will be delivered, from this fallen, sinful world, when when sin and unrighteousness will be judged, when we will experience the grand finale of the gospel, when we will see and experience the condemnation of all of his, I'm sorry, the consummation of all of his promises to us, when our faith will finally be sight, when what we hoped for with certainty will be realized with joy and relief, that is what we are going to experience when he comes. Are you looking forward to that day? Are you hoping for that day to come soon? This past week, I was uh, referred to a ministry based in Ukraine that, that, that has been providing daily updates on their website about what's happening uh, in that country, pictures, videos, uh, and other reports. Uh, and it probably feels to many there like it is the end of the world. And there's a pastor uh, there in, uh, in Kyiv, uh, Sergei Nakul, uh, who's providing video updates from inside the city on, on that uh, website. And many of his church members, particularly uh, the women and children, uh, have escaped, but, uh, but the men have remained. And uh, Pastor uh, Sergei has, has stayed to minister to them and to care for them and, and of course, share the gospel with others who remain in the city. Uh, this past Thursday, Pastor Sergei uh, shared a video of, of himself standing in front of a shopping mall, a shopping mall that had been badly damaged by Russian missiles. He stood there in front of uh, all the devastation and shared what he and so many in the city are asking now. What's going to happen next? What area of the city will be hit Next. Which apartment building will be the next one to be destroyed? He said that is the present reality for the people there. And so he repeated the question that so many have been asking him. What do you do? How do you respond to that? And Pastor Sergei then referred to the promises that the Lord has given to his people in his word. He shared the Lord's promise from Psalm 16, Psalm 16, uh, and and verses uh, eight and nine. Uh, We're there, I'll get to it here. We're there in Psalm 16, uh, verses eight and nine. He shared, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. And my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure. He then shared about how he knows that he is certain that the Lord is with him and the Lord is giving him strength. He's giving strength to his people there in the city. But then he went on to mention verse 10 of Psalm 16. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or the place of the dead or let your Holy One see corruption. He noted then that, 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 of course, David was the author of this psalm, and, 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 and D, David wrote this, but he did end up dying. And he just pointed out the obvious. All people will die. He said many have died in the last few weeks in the city. And he knows that, that one day he's going to die too. Maybe sooner than later. But then he said that in Acts chapter 2, we see there that, that this passage from Psalm 16, that this passage was, was not referring primarily to David, but to the son of David, to Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, and whose body was laid in the, de- in, in the place of the dead, in, in, Sheol, in the grave, but whose body did not see corruption, that he was raised on the third day and now lives and reigns at the right hand of God the Father. He expressed certainty, Certainty that because God fulfilled this promise to Jesus, that he will certainly fulfill the promise to his people who have put their trust in Jesus. That though we die, yet shall we live. That we will yet be raised to life at the coming of the Son of Man. That our flesh will indeed dwell secure with Christ. Pastor Sergei was certain of this. And that is how he could remain in Kiev and continue to serve in the midst of a war. But as I was watching him and listening to him share his hope in Christ with of course the gospel of Luke 21 thinking uh, on my mind thinking about that as well, I couldn't help but think, here is a man longing for the Lord to come. Here is a man who is certain he will come. He is certain of his promises. Here here is a man who would definitely straighten up and raise his head and rejoice if the Lord came today, for he is ready, he is prepared, and his hope is not in this world that he would leave behind. It is not in this country. It is in Christ. And the world, and, and the world that is to come through him. So, friends, where is your hope? Where is your hope? Will you be glad to see him come? Will you sense great re- relief when he comes? Or will you be like so many people who claim to be Christians that, that, that I've heard talk about this, who kind of sound a little disappointed that he would come? Soon. A little disappointed that that the sinful world and all that they enjoy about the sinful world will come to an end. Is that where you're at this morning? Your answer to that question, whether or not you're really prepared, will reveal what will happen when he comes. Be prepared. Look to him. Heed his words. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the word that you've given to us this morning from Luke 21, and we pray that you would help us, help us, Father, by your spirit to believe and to heed your words. I pray this for everyone in this room, everyone hearing this message, that your spirit would so work in us that we would take your word seriously and prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen.